We were talking, if you have not been with us, we'll review just a little bit for you, about the honor of God. And we've talked about honoring God, and we've talked about honoring the anointing, and we've talked about what makes one honorable. And uh, I want to go on to talk about uh, how to show honor. How to show honor. Now, there are a couple of things that we need to preface this teaching with, and that is, um, well, let me just stop here. Let, let's pray one more prayer here before we, before we go further. Father, we thank you for your presence, and thank you for the, the opportunity of being here together with you. We ask you specifically for utterance for these things, and we ask for everyone, for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts open and receptive, we ask you, Lord, for revelation of truth that makes free, divine grace deposits, and truth impartations that change lives permanently to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says you have not. Why? You know, we need to stir ourselves up constantly to be asking. And you've got to watch about thanking for something before you ask. Did you get that? Uh, for instance, Matthew 18 in the prayer of agreement. A lot of times people will just grab hands and say, I, I, you know, I agree with you. We agree on this. Yes, but the passage said that if any two of you shall agree as touching anything, what? That you ask. If you didn't ask, then you didn't do the verse. Are you with me? You need to ask for something. And it's not, you know, not a matter of just being overly technical, but there are legalities involved. If you don't ask in faith, God doesn't have a legal right to do some things, even though he might want to for you. So we need to ask, don't we? And there's certain things you need every day, so you ought to ask for them. Every day. Ask for them. Get up in the morning, open your eyes, ask for direction. Ask for help. Ask for him to guide your paths. Amen. And so, uh, just a little side thought there. But uh, I said we need to preface this teaching about how to show honor with a couple of things. For one, it, it needs to be understood that if you do not know how to honor man, then nor do you know how to honor God. If you don't know how to honor man, you just don't know how to honor, period, including honor God. And so honoring man and honoring God are inseparable. They're directly connected. Jesus said this in Luke 10:16. He said, "Hear that he that hears you hears me. He that despises you despises me. And he that despises me despises him that sent me." I want to read that again. I want you to think about it. Luke 10, 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Are we his disciples? Jesus said, He that hears you, my representative, my disciple, hears me. He that despises you, despises me. He that despises me, despises the one that sent me. God is very big on delegation. And he expects that when he delegates, that you show his representative the exact same honor that you show him. And to dishonor his representative, he takes it personally, as though you are dishonoring him. Now, we ought to know this throughout the Word, but people, you know, forget it again and again. You know, when Saul was uh, persecuting the Christians, and he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, what did he say? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my Christians? Mm. What? Me. And I'm sure he might have thought, <laughs> I haven't done anything to you. I don't even know you. But Jesus took it personally. You know, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites would grumble and complain against Moses and Aaron, on more than one occasion, God would say, I hear your murmurings, which you murmur against me. And I'm sure they might have thought, whoa, whoa, now God, we didn't say anything about you. 
It's just this Moses we have a problem with. Moses and Aaron, we're fed up with them. But Lord, we like it. No, it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) Because who called Moses and Aaron? God. Who sent them? God. And so to dishonor them and to despise them, God took it personally. I mean, we see this kind of thing all through the Scriptures. You remember Jesus' teachings on, inasmuch as you didn't do it to the least of these, my brother, you didn't do it for me. Inasmuch as you did do it for the least of these, my brother, you did do it for me. He takes it personally, what you do or what you don't do for His. And so how we treat each other and how we treat God's people and God's representatives and God's ministers and leaders is how we treat Him. There's no getting around it. And you, you know, you may not be able to respect or appreciate everything that a person in authority says and does. Because they're human. The biggest fault of leaders is that they're like you. (laughs) Human. That's their biggest problem. And like I said, you may not be able to respect or appreciate everything. It's possible for a, a person to be wrong about what they're thinking or saying. But you must respect the place that they stand in. You must respect the call. You must respect the gift, the anointing. Elsewise, you wind up dishonoring God, disrespecting God. Let me, uh, let's go to a classic example of this in 2 Samuel, the 10th chapter. 2 Samuel 10. Are you there? I'm there. Y'all are quick, right? Quick, bright, sharp, good looking, very rich, and a major blessing. And honorable. Amen. You say that enough, you start believing it. You believe it and it will come to pass. Second Samuel 10. The Bible says in verse 1, It came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan his son reigned in his stead. 2 Samuel 10, verse 2 now. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. Let's just stop right here. David and his people and his aides and his staff and his warriors knew something about the honor of God. Didn't they? You cannot read the word without coming to that conclusion. And here is an expression and an act of honor. An honorable person will remember what people have done for them in the past. He said here, David said, you know, uh, Nahash died, and his son now is beginning to reign in his stead. And when he died, David, when he heard about the death of this man, he said, you know, that man was kind to me and helped me in years past. I want to honor him now. And so he sent some of his most honorable counselors and staff and aides that he had, some of his most distinguished men, and sent them as his representatives to Ammon to convey to him their sympathy and their appreciation for this man that has passed away. You know, funerals ought to be a time of honor. There really should be. Not just a time of grief, though there will be some grief. But the Bible says we're not to sorrow like those who have no hope. Right? Though when a a loved one that we know is is saved, and, and especially one that has served in the service of the Lord well, goes home to be with the Lord, they have been promoted. It's far better to be with the Lord than to be here. And we should honor them. If we need to, travel great distances. Amen. If we need to, stand up and speak of the the, the acts that the Lord used them to accomplish in their lifetime. Funerals should not just be a time of grief. They should be a time of honor. And here we see that David is endeavoring to do this. But verse 3 said, 
the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanan their lord, Thinkest thou that David does honor your father, that he sent comforters to you? Has not David rather sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. Now think about that. Why did he do that? You see, people who are base and dishonorable don't understand honor. And when somebody else tries to show honor, they they figure there's got to be an ulterior motive. Because they know they wouldn't do that. And so these aides tell Hanan, they said, oh, you know, do you, you really think that David is sending somebody to honor your father? No way. He's sending spies here to check us out so he can come defeat us. We'll just show him we know what's going on. So they took, now see, these are, David specially chose these men to represent him in this affair. These are distinguished men, wise men, accomplished men. And these, no doubt, they came and they said, you know, we come on behalf of our Lord King David. And he wished to express through us his respect for your father. And how that your father showed him kindness in his lifetime. And he remembers it now. And that your father's a great man. And that we respect him. And the kingdom of David respects him. And we come to honor him and to comfort you in this time. Well, he should have bowed and said, Thank you. This blesses me that someone as great as King David would do this. But instead, they scoff. They take these honorable men. They maltreat them. They shave off a half of their beard, cut their clothes off, expose their nakedness, and laugh at them and ridicule them. People who have no honor, no concept of it, can't understand it, can't receive it. I'm saying all this to preface what we're getting into later, that if you don't have personal honor, you won't show honor to others. If you don't know how to honor yourself and how to honor men, you won't know how to honor God. It just means you don't know about honor, period. These individuals didn't understand honor. Well, notice what happened as a result. Verse 5, when they told it to David, he sent to meet them. Because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho till your beards be grown. And then come back, then return. Now see, here again is honor. David's concerned about them and and how they look and what's going on with them. And before they even get home, he sends to them and says, guys, you just stay out there and, and, you know, kick back a while. Relax. Let your beards grow. Get over this. And then you come back in town in honor. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians, and on and on. And David heard of it. He sent Joab and the host of the mighty men. And when Joab and the mighty men got through with them, the Syrians were an endangered species. (laughs) There was a war. Thousands died. Why? Why? Because of people not understanding honor. Basically, David said, you treat my representatives like this? He took it as a personal insult. You treat my men like this? You treat me like this. That's the way God is. And that's the way we should be. You know, it's, it's surprising to me. We, the Lord's blessed us with, with invitations to speak and what have you. And, and you know, you can't always to go to everywhere, even though maybe you'd like to go. And, but I have had on occasions people that got irritated with me because I, I didn't come. I've had people chew out my secretary. I've had people talk rude to my wife and, uh, and then expect me to come. <laughs> well, see, you treat my secretary bad, you treated me bad, right? You treat some of my helpers, you treat my wife bad. How I many know oh, that's foolish? 
to treat someone's, some, you know, a lot of times they didn't know it, but this person is doing exactly what I asked them to do. They're not just talking on their own. I told them what to say. I told them what to do, and they're speaking for me on my behalf. And sometimes when people hear men and women of God and people of God, and they don't like what they're saying and what they're doing, they don't realize the Lord sent them. They're saying what he told them to say. And they think they're just mad at the man or the woman, but they're mad at God. He's the one that sent them. His words are in their mouth. We need to watch about despising others, despising what's said through the mouths of the people of God because it could very well be just straight from the Lord himself. And in despising them, we wind up despising him. So honor for God means honor for others. If you know how to honor people, you know how to honor God. You just understand the subject of honor. Now I want to begin talking about how to show honor. And there are some specific things that I can see in the Word. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, the nine things. I'm not saying that's all the things there are to that. That's what I can see right now. But I want to give you, I guess, what is this? Four, one, two, three, four things. Four areas that I can see that have helped me from the Word about how to honor, how to show honor. The Bible said in Romans 13.7, Romans 13.7, it says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The NIV says, Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you owe revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. How many of you, if you owe money, you ought to pay it? Right? And if you owe money, you need to know that you owe it so that you can pay it. Well, do we owe respect? Do we owe honor to individuals and to situations? We do. That's what he's saying. Just as, just as real as people owe money, we owe honor. We owe respect. And if you owe it, you should pay it. Well, how do you pay it is what I'm talking about. How do you do it? In fact, you know, I mean, when we say this, you think about your, your elders in the Lord and your pastors and, and what have you. But it's not to be limited just to them. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.17, honor all men. 1 Peter 2.17, honor all men. We're to show each other honor. We're to show our immediate family honor. Husbands and wives are to honor each other. The Bible says so. I mean, the children are certainly supposed to honor their parents. And there, there are ways in which the parents can honor the children. We're certainly supposed to honor our employers and our supervisors, but then also uh, employers should know how to honor all men, honor their employees as well. Honor how many? All men. It's wonderful how people respond to honor too. Everybody wants to be valued. Everybody wants to be esteemed. You know, I, uh, uh, I had to take my car into the dealership some time ago. It's been a while now. And uh, I took it in there, and the place was a madhouse. I mean, <laughs> everybody was there trying to get something done. And uh, there were people just being rude. I mean, just talking sharp and short to the guys that had on the blue work shirts. You know, and just, just rude to them, demanding of them. And you can tell they, they didn't appreciate it. I've been flying commercially before, you know, and see people just chew out personnel behind the counter. I mean, just talk to them so ugly and rude. You know, that's dumb. This is the person that can help you or hurt you. Besides just obeying the Bible, it's just smart, just wisdom to treat people decently. Well, I walked in there and finally got to this one guy and he had his name on his shirt there and and I saw his name, I said, uh, Mr. So-and-so. When I said that, he looked at me like he hadn't heard Mr. all day. 
I said, Mr. So-and-so, I can see you're, you're really busy, and I don't want to add to your burden or bother you. I said, I have something I'd like to have done, but should I come back later? What, what's convenient for you? What do I need to do? He looked at me. He looked around. He said, bring his on back right now. <laughs> and all the guys turned around looked at me like, what'd you do? You hand him some money? What'd you do? No, I just treated him like a human being. They're treating him like a peon, like somebody that was born to serve me. The Bible says honor all men. Honor all men. We need to just stir ourselves up daily to see everybody around us as important, as significant. Amen? As valuable. As valuable. I heard a minister saying one time that he was out in a large park just getting quiet and fellowshipping with God, but it was in a large city. He was out there just enjoying the, the scenery, and he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, Son, what do you see? So he said he looked around, and he said, Well, I see uh, houses, apartments, buildings over there. I see uh, office buildings. I see cars. I see uh, airplanes. There's a train. He said, That's not what I see. He said, I see people in the house. I see people in the cars. I see people in the plane. I see people. See, that's really the only thing that's of any eternal value on the planet. You understand that? And yet you see people treat people like dirt over a car or a house. But the Bible said, I mean, like, you know, two Raymond students that were talking one time one of them was kind of bragging on all the stuff he had, and the other guy looked at him and said, Well, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because <laughs> I don't care what you got. <laughs> Before too long, it's just going to be a pile of ashes. Right? And But who's going to be left? People. Amen? You know. What's valuable is people. Treat them as valuable. That's what honor, the word honor literally means value and worth. What is weighty, having to do with value. And so you're to treat yourself as valuable. You're to treat other people as valuable. One of the first things that we'll talk about, about how to honor someone, is how you refer to people. R-E-F-E-R. -E how you refer to people. Uh, we live in a society, like we've said previously, that has lost these things. And because of the rebellion of the 60s in particular, so much was lost that has not been restored and regained. And one way that you can tell, you know, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth leaketh, or speaketh. It comes out, right? And sometimes people don't mean to, but they just, they'll let you know what's inside by opening their mouth and by the way they refer to people and to things. Uh, you know, the way you refer to people says a lot about you. I've had, you know, Rhema students. Alumni, you know, you, you wonder what they were doing in school. They must not have been listening. But, you know, I'm, I'm at the, a church or something and meet somebody and they say, well, how's the old man? They're talking about the prophet. They're talking about Brother Hagin. How's the old man? Well, <laughs> you know, they've, they've told me volumes about their self. Just with that statement. Our Pastor Hagin, or how's Kenny Jr.? I've had Rhema students refer to me as youngin, youngin, boy. And it's not that you that we should be seeking for titles. It's just that you know they you know they don't see you as valuable. They want to bring everything down on a common basis. You know you hear people talking about their wife as my old lady. 
Hear people talking about their father, my old man. And I says, what's wrong with that? Everything. Everything. You don't learn that from the Bible. That's not in the Word. You know, we are to be free. We are to enjoy our freedom. But we're not to be disrespectful. You don't have to be disrespectful to be free. In just a very short period of time, you and I are going to be in heaven. Won't be long. Even if it was a century or two. That's nothing. But are they disrespectful up there? Hmm? Are they free? Do they enjoy their existence? Do they enjoy each other? Do the, child, the children of God and the saints of God, do they have the liberty to come right to the very throne of grace? See the Most High Himself? Commune with the Most High personally? But do people treat Him as common up there? Think about the four and twenty elders that are round about the throne. How long have they been there? A long time. Right? Not a century, not a millennia. How long? We don't know how long they've been there. Just suffice to say, a very long time, from our perspective at least. Time with them is not like with us, but from our perspective, it's, it would have been a while. But uh, as they are there, have they grown so accustomed to the glory of God that if you came up to them and you said, wow, I just got here. Wow, the glory of God. Would they say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you get used to it after a while. <laughs> hmm? No. Well, oh, great Jehovah God, I'm so glad to be here. And, and they say, yeah, yeah, the big J is something, ain't he? <laughs> No, what does the Bible say? They cry out holy. They worship. They take their crowns and they throw them to Him and they bow. And that's millennia after millennia. You and I need to watch about over-familiarity with each other. The real test of whether you have some substantial honor in you and about you, is if you can be around people for a great length of time and still honor them just as much as before you knew, before you knew them personally, before you were around them personally, that's the challenge. See, we talked about it earlier that the people in Jesus' hometown, they failed to honor Him and believe in Him and the anointing on His life because they said, this is Joseph's boy. We know Him. He's been around. We know his family. Well, just because you know him doesn't mean you're not supposed to honor. So how you refer to people, how you refer to things, you know, you don't refer to the Bible as that thing. And yet I've heard people talk about that. You refer to the Word of God with certain terminology that befits its its place. You refer to people with certain terminology that befits that place. The Bible said in 1 Peter 3, Sarah called Abraham Lord. The Bible said in Acts 10.28 that, uh, you know, the Lord told Peter that he said, God has showed me I should not call any man common or unclean. Go with me to Acts 23 and look at a great example of this. I'm talking about how to show honor, how you refer to someone says a lot about what you know about honor. I've heard children refer to parents by their first name. Is that appropriate? And you know, it's not just all in what titles you use, but it's in your tone of voice. Isn't it? And it's in your whole, you know, demeanor when you say something. In Acts 23, 
Verse 3, you'll see something that might... Well, let me just start in verse 1. You'll see something that could be startling to some people. Paul, you know, has been taken by the authorities in Jerusalem. And he's basically, you know, captive now. And Paul is given a chance to speak for himself before the people. He earnestly beheld the council. And he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by to smite him on the mouth. Now I'm sure that hurt. You ever been hit real hard in the mouth? <laughs> I used to be a fighter. It doesn't feel good. I mean, I don't care who you are and what you are, you get hit real hard. It just goes all over you. <laughs> you know? And Paul said to him, God will smite you, you whited wall. <laughs> you sit to judge me after the law and command me to be smitten contrary to the law. They that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? In other words, you talk like that to the high priest? Now notice verse 5. Paul said, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Basically, he apologized publicly. And yet, what he said was true. The man was a white wall, whitewashed sepulcher. He was doing something totally contrary to the law. He was, the man was dishonoring his place as high priest. But for some reason, I guess, Paul didn't recognize him I don't know what the situation was, but he didn't recognize immediately that this was the high priest. So when the guy commanded him to be backhanded, he just spoke up and said, You whitewashed wall, God's going to smite you. But when they said, That's the high priest you're talking to. Basically, he apologized. He said, I, I didn't know it was him. For some reason, he didn't recognize him. I wish not. I didn't know that it was him because it's written. You should not speak evil of the ruler of your people. So we live in a country that celebrates freedom of speech. And that's good in a measure. But our Christian responsibilities are more important than our national citizenship rights. And as Christians, we do not have total freedom of speech. Are you with me? We are not just free to say anything we want to say about anything without displeasing the Lord and without being dishonorable. This man, without a doubt, was wrong and basically what Paul said about him was true, but Paul basically, you know, repented publicly because you're not supposed to speak evil of the ruler of your people. Like we said, you know, you may not be able to respect everything a person says or does, but you must respect what? The place. You must respect that place. Such a great example of this is Saul, King Saul, and David. I mean, you remember Saul was the chosen of God. He was the anointed of God. But he got to the place where he was so rebellious and so proud and so far from God that he became virtually demon-possessed, didn't he? Evil spirits would come on him, and he'd just be a crazy man. Throw spears, try to kill. I mean, that's like throwing up a pistol and shooting at you. Trying to kill people. And yet, David referred to him in the midst of his demonic activity, David referred to him as the Lord's anointed. And refused to touch him, and refused to speak slanderously of him. Notice in uh, the New Testament, in a couple of places, notice in uh, Jude, I guess it is. Why don't you just turn over there real quickly. In Jude, just one chapter, you know, the Bible talks about in verse 8, it says that these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, they what? despise dominion, 
That means authorities, anybody that's in any position of authority. And they do what? They speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Some have not understood this, but how many believe that the angels of God are honorable? Honorable people don't go around talking slander. You know, I don't care if the other party are, I don't care if they are acting base and ignoble, we don't get down with them on their level. I don't care if they call us names, we don't call them names. We should be above that. Right? And I don't care if they're the, you know, acting so terrible and ugly. We might not respect what they're saying or what they're doing or how they are. But if they have a place, we're going to show some respect for that place. Are you with me? If you don't, you wind up disrespecting God. Romans 13 says that the authorities that be are established of God. In Daniel, he talks about that God takes even the basest of men and gives them positions. Sets them up. He's able to set up. He's able to put down. Now, thank God we can pray and change things. And if you've got somebody in a place or in an office that's just not going to obey God, not now, not ever, God is able to get them out. Amen. But that doesn't justify us slandering them and speaking evil of dignities. And reviling. The Bible said the Lord Jesus, when he was reviled, what did he do? Reviled not. I mean, when they spit on him, and they slapped him, and they did all the terrible things, did he break out into a tongue lashing against them? Never, ever. Why? Because he's not base. He's our king. He's an honorable king. Amen? Notice the graciousness. They're reviling. They're down there. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying. He's hurting. He's in pain. He's in an agony. Not just of body, but of soul and spirit. And they, you know, they're mocking him. If you, who you say you are, come down from there. We'll believe you. And he looks around and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's honor. Jesus is my hero. Isn't he yours? What strength it took to do that. What honor. If you are being an honorable man or woman, you must control your mouth. And even though sometimes you want to say something so bad, you don't know what to do, bite that tongue. And watch how you refer. Watch how you refer. The way that you refer to somebody says volumes about what you know of honor. And just, you know, on the positive side of this, talking about referring, you know, some people think it's old-fashioned to say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Some people think, you know, that, you know, always saying mister, or in Christian circles, you know, brother or sister is, is a, an honorable term. Reverend is an honorable term. Uh, you know, in days past, people used to refer to individuals as evangelist so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. As well, today, we do pastor so-and-so, but for some reason, the others, we just kind of not, not comfortable with that. And you don't want to just throw titles around, and, and, and the Lord warned us about using titles in the wrong way, but at the same time, we need to not lose honor. And, you know, there's different situations. I, you know, the Hagans have been so gracious to, to me and to mine. And there are times they treat us like friends, treat us like equals virtually in some situations. But I know what's what. <laughs> I know what their place is and what my place is. And we might, you know, have a meal together or do something recreational together. And they might treat me like an equal and let me talk and... What have you? You know, we're going to talk about that later. But uh, when it's service time, it's different. 
Right? How many of what I'm talking about? I mean, it's, it's, the Bible says we are to endure hardness as good soldiers. There's a lot of things that's true about the military that are true about the kingdom of God. We're all children of God, all equally loved, but we do not all have the same place. And we don't all have the same rank. Right? And so you need to, know, you need to learn how. I mean, uh, if, if a man and his children were all in the military, let's say, uh, let's say he's a general, let's say that the oldest boy is a, a captain, let's say the middle one's a sergeant, let's say the youngest is a private, but when they come home for Thanksgiving, that doesn't mean that the sergeant gets more turkey and dressing than the private. This is family. This is home. When they come home for Christmas, that doesn't mean that the, the captain gets more uh, uh, presents than the sergeant or the private. You know, this is family. But if they're in action and they're called to do something in the, the branch of the military then it's not dad, it's not Bubba, it's yes sir, general, yes sir, sergeant, right? And so we need to have, I've had pastors tell me, I've had them cry and tell me, you know, I'm just not letting myself get close to my people like I have. And befriend, I, you know, I've, I've done things, maybe played golf, went to meals, to restaurants, and, and, and after you befriend people, they just don't respect you like they're supposed to. They feel too free to express their opinions and say and do things, and they feel too free to ask things of me that they shouldn't ask and think that they've got input. I'm just not going to let myself get close to the people anymore. Well, that's not just a total solution. People need to be taught. If somebody is gracious enough to you to allow you to be a part of their life in some ways, you need to know that that doesn't change the rank, Right? And you need to know when it's time for service and it's time for things. You better put on a different hat and say, yes, sir. Right? How you refer to people. You can see, you know, I've had people tell me, well, you don't have to serve me. You don't have to ma'am me. And I said, well, yeah, but I'd like to if it's okay. I mean, if you don't want me to, I'll do what you say. But I'd, why? It helps me to remember. Right? Helps me. Because I, I don't want to fail to honor what's of God. Not just for their sake, but for the Lord's sake. I want to treat them right out of respect for Him. So, you know, if you've come from a family where you never said sir or ma'am, or you come from a situation where you didn't refer to people in a dignified way, change that. You can change it today. Right? And just, uh, you know, Treat people in a higher way. Honor them. Refer to them in a way that is worthy of God. Now, uh, let's, let me go to the next one here. There's some other things here, but I, for time's sake, we won't, we won't do this. Uh, another thing that is very important, and a way to show honor, is in deferring. The first one is how you refer to people and things. The second one is Defer, how you defer to, D-E-F-E-R. Now, to defer to means to yield to. It means to give in to, to give place to. One definition of defer or deference means to act in accordance with another's wishes, opinions, or decisions. To act in accordance with another's wishes, opinions, or decisions. It's a yielding to. It is a, uh, you know, putting yourself back seat, let somebody else have the front seat. Somebody else that ought to be there. Defer to. And you see, you know, this kind of thing throughout the scriptures. The Bible says in Isaiah 9.15, Isaiah 9.15 says, The ancient and the honorable... He is the head. And the prophet that tells lies, he is the tail. <laughs> Anybody that's a liar is the tail. Is base, dishonorable. We've already talked about that. Even, a, even a prophet that would teach lies, immediately he loses his honor, he becomes a tail. Leviticus 19 gives us an example of deferring. 
and showing honor. Leviticus 19.32, the Lord said in the law given to Moses, He said, You shall rise up before the hoary or the gray head, and you shall honor the face of the old man, and fear your God, I am the Lord. What did He say now? What will you do before the gray head? Rise up. This is not just a mentality. This is a physical action. Are you with me? See, honor is not just in an inner concept in you that nobody can see or know. It is in your words, the way you refer to things. It is in your actions. Uh, what he's saying is when an elder, now he's talking about a physical elder. Back then people couldn't be born again. Today, we have people that are born again and that are spiritual elders as well as uh, physical elders. How I many understand what I'm talking about? There could be a person that could be younger than you in chronolo- chronological age, but they could be older and more developed than you in spiritual things. Right? They could have been born again before you were, etc., etc. And, you know, just because two people get born again at the same time, that doesn't mean that they develop the same. Some people, you know, after 20 years are still babies. Other people have fed and grown and exercised and developed quicker than others. But you, you need to, the Bible says that we need to know those that labor among us and are over us in the Lord. Can you identify them? You need to be able to put names there and acknowledge that this one is over me. This one is over me. This one is over me. Well, when an elder, either uh, physically or spiritually, when you are dealing with them, among other things, if somebody walks into the room that you're elder, according to this, you're supposed to get up. Stand up. He said, rise up. That's plain, isn't it? Now, if they tell you, keep your seat, keep your seat, well, do what they say. But, you know, just, just your body language says a lot, doesn't it? By you slouching and sitting there in the chair and waiting for them to come to you. That says a lot about you. You get up, stand up, move, right? You know, uh, I've noticed this here in Texas. I grew up just a couple of doors over in uh, Mississippi. And in the south, you, you, know, you notice this. You notice it in other places too, but uh, particularly I noticed it growing up in the south. A lot of times if people came over to see you, people would come out of the house and go out to the car to meet you. Now, some parts of the country, that's unheard of. You just don't do that. Maybe because the neighborhood's bad. I don't know. <laughs> but I know, you know, you'd say, somebody's driving up. Yeah, oh, it's so-and-so. I mean, sometimes the mom, the dad, all the kids, and the three dogs <laughs> come out to the car. Oh, oh, y'all get out. Y'all get out. Come in. And then when you got through talking, you know, my grandmother... Bless her heart, she would never sit down for a meal. Ever. Because she's always thinking of something else. Oh, I got something else you could take a bite of, you know. And so she gets that and she pulls it out. And constantly pulling out things, pulling out things. Trying to give you a bite of something. And I don't care what time of the day or night it was. You walk in the house, you haven't been there any time until, hey, you want something to eat? It can be 12 o'clock midnight. You want something to eat? Can I get you something to eat? And then you stay and visit, and when you get through, the whole clan follows you out, back out to the car. <laughs> they're all standing there around, you know. You get in, and you drive away, you look back, they're all waving. <laughs> Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> That's not just a local or a cultural thing. That's godly. I said, that's godly. Let me give you a further illustration of what I'm talking about. Uh, Brother Hagin said when he was pastoring that there was this one family in his church that was just faithful, faithful, faithful to church. To You know, they tithed, they gave, they're always there, they were always working in the church. And he said, but every time any of them in the family had a problem or sickness, he said, if any of them ever got healed, he didn't know it. He went and prayed for them many a time and... If they got healed, he didn't know it. But he said, there's this other lady that if she came once a month, she was doing good for her. Never put any money in the church. Never helped. Never worked in the church. 
But she would call for him to come pray for her kids when they got sick because she counted him their pastor. And every time he prayed, he said sometimes while he's got the hand on the child, he'd feel the fever cools off. They quit sniffling. They're healed right there, right now. He said it happened again and again and again. He said he was praying about that and he was saying, Lord, <laughs> you know, it seemed like you're healing the wrong one. Here are my faithful people and they're not getting healed. And here this woman, bless her heart, I mean, if, you know, if she's a Christian, she's a poor example of one. Never comes to church. Never helps out. Never does anything for the work here. And yet every time her children just healed immediately. And he said while he was praying, you know how he talks about he had a mini vision, M-I-N-I? He said just went off from, in front of him like a TV screen. He said he saw himself going to this, uh, uh, the, you know, supposed to be the faithful people's house. And he went and he knocked on the door and, and, no, and no answer. He knocked on the door, no answer. He knocked on the door, finally took his pocket knife, beat on the door. Finally somebody came and, and uh, said, and he said, it's Brother Hagin. And, and he said, uh, oh, and hollered, Mom, it's Brother Hagin. And uh, they said, oh, oh, okay, come on in. Yeah, so-and-so's sick. And he said, that then the, went off before him about the other. He was walking out of their house. The woman ran out to meet him at the curb. I said, she ran out to meet him at the curb. Took his hand. I said, thank you for coming, Brother Hagin. Thank you for coming. I know it ain't much to me. I know I ain't done that hot. But God loves those little old babies. And I just know that when you pray for them, He'll heal them. <laughs> Led him in the house. Are you with me? See, body language. Response. Says a lot about what you honor and what you don't honor. That's why the Bible says, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, why? You know, I've been here in the hospital and nobody's even come to check on me. What did the Bible say? James 5 said, let the sick do what? Let him call. Let him call for the elders of the church. See, if you don't have enough honor and respect for them to ask in a nice way. See, if you stand back and go, well, bless God, I'll go down there. I'll put money in there. They ought to be down here. That's disrespectful. And you know, anytime you put money in anything, if you're truly giving to God, then there's no strings. And if you're truly giving, then you're not expecting something in return. If you're expecting something in return, that's buying. If you're giving, that means you're not expecting anything as far as, you know, from people, you're expecting a return on your giving from God, but you know what I'm talking about. No. The Bible said, let him call. Let him come. I've had situations where I, you know, supposedly somebody wanted me to come to visit him in the hospital, and I got there, and uh, I said, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Reverend Keith Moore, and, and they said, who? And I said, Reverend Keith Moore, I, I thought, was, you know, you wanted us to come. Oh, you know, my brother wanted you to come. He's the one that called you, so on, so on, so on. And, 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 you know, you can tell they don't want you there. Are you going to get them healed like that? Very doubtful. This God just moves in some spectacular way. You, you're not. See, you must respect the things of God. You must respect the ministers of God. You must respect the Word of God and the anointing of God. And you, you, you show it by the way you act, by the way you respond, how you defer to. In deferring to those that have a greater place than you, you know, the Bible talks... Uh, uh, well, let me just go into this third point here. We'll just do it like this. Uh, this, because this, these, these sound similar, but yet they're different. The third one here is how you prefer, how you prefer others. Refer, defer, and prefer. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor... Preferring one another. In honor, preferring one another. Philippians 2.3 said, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Prefer. Now, to defer means to give in to. 
To prefer means that you give somebody the better whatever, the better opportunity. If you're, if you're eating a meal and you want to prefer somebody, you give them the best steak. Right? You give them the best seat. You give them the best place in the car. You give them the best time slot. You give them the best opportunity. Give them the best contact. Whatever the case might be, if you want to prefer somebody, then something that really is yours that you could have, you say, well, no, you, you take this. You, t- you treat them better than yourself in that situation. To defer and to prefer. I know something I, I learned about deferring years ago working with Brother Hagin. We should always defer to the higher anointing. Always defer to the higher place. Um, with Brother Hagin, you know, when I first had the privilege of going in the speaker's room with him in healing school, you know, just as a, uh, what was I, in just a first-year Ramah student virtually, not too long after that. And man, I thought, glory to God, here I am in the speaker's room with the prophet. And sometimes just me and him there, just us. Now I'm thinking, glory to God, all these questions I've had, now's my opportunity. Sometimes we'd just sit there, 20 minutes, nobody'd say anything. Then once I'd, I'd work up my courage and I'd ask a question. More than once he'd just go, mm-hmm. And that was it. And eventually I learned not to try to get him to talk about what I wanted to talk about, but to see what he wanted to talk about. Are you with me? Now that's a valuable lesson. I said not to try to get him to talk about what I was thinking about. But what what did he want to talk about? And if he would ever mention something, I'd jump on it. Yeah, that's what we talk about. Do you know the Lord's that way? You will become a much more effective and proficient prayer if you learn when you go to prayer not to just try to get the Lord to talk to you about what you want to talk about. There are times in prayer that you can pray yourself, pray your little heart out, and you can tell the Holy Ghost is not hooking up with you. Well, well get a clue. He <laughs> don't want to talk about this right now. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? There are times, he, you know, you, you want to talk about it. It's on your mind. But that doesn't mean it's the most important thing going in the world. Just because it's important to you and on your mind at that moment, there could be something that's more important to you that you don't even know about. And if you'll ask him and just be... That's why it's so good when you start out prayer, instead of taking your list and just deciding what we're going to do, come and just lay yourself before him a minute and just worship him a little bit. Amen. Just get quiet and see what he wants to say. You may wind up praying about something far different than what you thought you would. If you don't know how to defer to men, then it's doubtful that you know how to defer to God. I mean, the Holy Ghost should be the one that we're aware of in our services. And and even though we have something planned that we think we ought to do, if, if he wants to do something else, we should defer to it instantly. Instantly. And if an elder is speaking, then uh, the younger should be quiet. This starts with children, doesn't it? And I've seen little ones. I've seen little ones interrupt their mother, interrupt their father, tell them to be quiet. Have you seen it? Now be, be quiet, be quiet, Daddy. Let me be quiet. Let me tell it. Ooh. So that makes me want to spank them. Yeah, but it makes you feel sorry for them because if they don't get a hold of it, what did the Bible say? What's the first commandment with promise? Why? There's a promise that it might go well with you and you might live long on the earth. Well, why would honoring mother and father 
cause you to be successful in life and things to go good for you and you to live a long time because if you know how to honor them, you know how to honor God. And you know how to honor other people. One, uh, something that's a characteristic of being dishonorable is interrupting. Man, a lot of people got a bad habit of interrupting. And it's because of their upbringing. It's because of their, you know, lack of teaching on honor. I've been in the speaker's room, Brother Hagen, before when somebody, you know, I mean, he's a busy man. and A lot of people want to see him, but on occasion he'd make an exception, you know, so-and-so could come see me. Remember one time somebody came in, I was there, and I got up and started to leave, and he said, no, you just stay. And so I sit down, and this guy starts talking. And he talks, and he talks, and he talks, and he talks, and he talks. And I'm, I mean, this was years ago, too, and I'm, I'm sitting there, just especially in my youth, thinking, you know, you ought to shut up. <laughs> but I didn't say anything. I just smiled and looked around. And he talked, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked. Do you know that the Holy Ghost is not an interrupter? As a usual thing, I mean, he will not. I mean, if, you, if you're doing your own thing, he will let you do your own thing. He'll let you waste your day. He'll let you waste your money. He'll let you pace the floor and worry yourself sick and pull your hair out. And he knows exactly what to do to fix it. But he's not just going to blurt out and grab you and sit you down and say, would you listen to me? Somebody said, I wish he would. Yeah, but he's not. Because that's just not the way he is. You have to honor him. You have to stop and get quiet. And say, ask. And say, please show me. And then listen. It's tough to listen while you're talking. Isn't it? And like Brother Hagin has said, you already know everything you know. Right? So how much are you usually going to learn by talking? But uh, this guy just went on and on, on and on, on his experiences, his vision, his revelation, his dream, his gifts, his ministry, his, 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 his. And I knew Brother Hagin's got a service coming up in a little while. I was supposed to be there, ain't it? After a while... You know, he looks, he says, well, well, I'm sorry, I'm out of time. And he got up and left. To my brother Hagin. And I thought to myself, see there? I knew it. <laughs> I don't care if you're in the middle of what you think is one of your best things that you're saying. If an elder speaks up, shut up. Just cut it off right there. Back off. If you know how to do that, then I don't care if you're in full stream of something you're saying. If God talks to you. You know how to just shut up and back off and go, yes, sir? And listen. And hear. And know. I was uh, in another state some years ago traveling and uh, uh, the pastor eventually, he said to my wife, he caught her on the side and he said, is Brother Keith always this quiet? He's the most quiet person I've ever been around. And I, I'm not that quiet. I don't feel like I am. He said, but he said, he's, and she said, well, you know, he very rarely interrupts anybody. <laughs> and then she thought about what she said. She said, oh, God. <laughs> but it was the truth. I hadn't been able to give a word in edge right why, since I got there. And I realized sometimes people, that's just the way they are when they get nervous. When they get nervous, they throw their mouth in gear. And that's a bad habit. I said, that's a bad... I mean, it'd be better to be the other way. In the multitude of words, there won't if not sin. The proverb said, I mean, you're going to be missing it constantly if you're just talking all the time without thinking about what you're saying. And if you're going to defer to and show honor and prefer and show honor, then you've got to know how not to interrupt. You've got to know how to give place. I mean... Maybe you thought, you thought you had a great idea, but they say, this is the way you go. Okay. Go that way. Defer. You can change. Just as an act of your will, you can change. Like we were saying, I mean, if you look at something and you think, well, Lord, that's great. I like that. That's what I want to do. And the Lord says, I don't like it. You go, yeah, right. <laughs> Me neither. 
now that you mention it. As an act of your will, you can change. doesn't take you long, just on the inside of you. In preferring, it means that you, you know, Jesus did a, a bit of teaching about the high seat and the low seat. You don't just go in immediately and take the best. You know, you want to let, let somebody else have it. Especially somebody that comes in with a greater place. Learn to defer, learn to prefer. I know that some of these things are not what makes you run the aisles and dance and, and jump the chairs. But some things, you know, you might not shout at the time, but man, if you get a hold of it and do it, you'll shout later. And you'll shout a lot because if you learn how to honor and show honor to man and to God, what did he say he would do? He said he will honor you. And man, when God honors you, you know you've been honored. When God honors you, you know that that's what counts in the world and in life. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.